Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Starting, or we have started, a brand new series called Churchy Words and More. And so one of the things that we've been endeavoring to do is just talk about some things in regards to some words that you have maybe heard in the context of church. Uh, Maybe you didn't grow up with church. And so therefore, sometimes when you come to this church, you might hear things and you're thinking, what does that mean? Or uh, that seems awful religious. Or why do they say those kind of things or use those kind of words? And so it's uh, uh, important for us to understand that in the kingdom of God, there is a vocabulary. And if you recall, last week we just kind of shared some things with you that said, how many of you remember the word, you know, or use the word groovy? Anybody old enough to use the word groovy or far out? If you can, then maybe that dated you a little bit. But nevertheless, there's always a vocabulary in which we're uh, uh, shifting and shaping. And obviously, if you come into the family of God, you may not be accustomed to the vocabulary, but it's important for you to learn it because oftentimes words have meaning. And so again, they'll help you in some areas if you begin to understand. So today we're going to make a shift in, in, in some of the things that we're talking about, or I guess the word in which we're going to look at today. But first, I want to just kind of uh, share a, an example, if you will. Last, or actually it was I think two or three weeks ago, in our church prayer on Wednesday night, we had that at 6 o'clock, and everyone's welcome. It's an amazing time to come together and pray. But uh, as we were praying, or before we were praying actually, uh, we were just talking, and, and we started talking about food. And the more we started talking about food, people started chiming in and saying, oh, man, you think that's good food? If you want a good steak, you need to go here. And they're like, oh, is it good food? Oh, yes. And so we just started talking about food. And the more we started talking about food, everybody's like, man, we're just kind of hungry. And then Sandy, she says, she goes, yeah, I didn't eat today either. And the more we're talking about it, she said, man, I'm just hungry. And it kind of diverted our conversation and And she must have been really hungry because we started talking about RV camping and going to the campgrounds during the summer. And somehow that conversation turned over to buying a panini panini sandwich maker. And she's like, she's like, I'm not going to buy a again. It was another conversation. But she goes, I'm not going to buy a panini sandwich maker. And I said, you know, speaking of paninis, I said, have you ever had the paninis over at the Valley restaurant over here? And she's like, oh my gosh. She said, the Tuscan panini? I'm like, exactly. And so the more we started talking about it, man, we started getting hungry. I mean, my mouth salivating. And she says, man, I'm heading that way. I'm putting in a to-go order. When I leave here, I'm picking up a panini. (laughs) So here's my point. Isn't it interesting how words can make you hungry. Just talking about food can cause a hunger to be stirred on the inside. Now, you may not even be hungry. And just the mention of food. I mean, oh man, pizza, 
nice, thin, crunchy crust, ooey, gooey cheese. Oh, great marinara sauce. I mean, I'm not hungry, but man, you start talking about gooey cheese. Ooh, look at it string as you pull the... Sl- oh, man, I can taste it now, can't you? And again, it's words that cause us to begin to be hungry. And so that's the churchy word that we're going to be talking about this morning. And it is being hungry or being hungry for God or for the things of God. Now, let me just kind of give you a heads up in regards to this particular message. This is a message that is really for somebody that is looking to develop their relationship with God. Because again, once you get to know God, there's going to be something that God puts on the inside of you that begins to have a hunger, or we could say it this way, a desire to know Him. And once again, we're going to look at it from the standpoint of the Word of God or Scriptures that really begins to bring out what it means to be hungry. But before we get there, again, I just want to share a couple of things as we get there in regards to last week, just to kind of get us up to speed if you weren't here last week. And if you recall last week, we said last week was just kind of a basic foundational message. But how many of you know that basic foundational messages are important? Because again, that's what everything is established upon. In fact, I I find it interesting that in the local church, many times we're saying, I just want more. I want to go on to more advanced things. I want to hear the meaty things of God. I want to hear the real deep spiritual things. And oftentimes we miss out because we don't understand the basic principles or the foundational things of God to help us take us further. In fact, I had the privilege of having dinner with uh, Pastor and Mrs. Hagen just a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you don't know who they are, they are the founders of Rhema Bible College out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's where my wife and I went to college. And uh, as we were talking, she said, you know, they have had to actually uh, restructure the curriculum for the college. She said, you know, because of the culture of today, because so many people are busy and church is kind of just kind of hit and miss as people's attendance, you know, and because of the culture, you have to shift the culture of the church. And, you know, years ago you had what was called Sunday school. You know, does anybody remember Sunday school? We don't have a Sunday school, but there was a time when churches had Sunday school, or in other words, it was a class before church service started. And in that was the opportunity for the children to come and be taught basic, foundational, biblical stories. You know, the story about David and Goliath, you know, Daniel and the lion's den, uh, Noah and his ark, and Job, and all those foundational stories. And they weren't just stories for entertainment. They were stories to share the lives of individuals that learned how to trust God in the face of adversity and trust God through the ups and the downs of life. And she said, we are, we are finding that students are coming to the Bible college and they have no basic foundation. And so she said they've had to actually have Bible courses teaching the Bible stories so that the students have the foundation or just the basics that maybe many of us have taken for granted. So once again, last week was foundational and it was something that is important. But if you recall, last week, the churchy words that we talked about was being born again. You know, individuals say, are you one of those born-again Christians? And the answer is, yes, we are. Or you'd say, "Uh, uh, uh, are you saved? Or when did you get saved? Are you one of those saved ones? And yes, we are. And once again, we looked at it from the standpoint of the Scripture that defines it. But I want to just 
revisit some scriptures that we looked at last week that's going to set the platform for this week. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Now, I want you to listen intently because I'm going to ask you a question after it. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, but, uh, uh, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And verse 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, so... We said that in regards to this being saved begins by calling on the Lord. Now, in that word call, we said that there is, there is a, an appeal, there is a desire, or the call is with a worshipful desire to receive from God. So understanding this, that when somebody has a genuine conversion or receives Christ into their life, there is an appeal, a cry from the inside that is worshiping God. It says, God, I have a need and I am without you. And in that moment, they come to a place of recognizing, I need Jesus. And isn't it interesting how oftentimes when people first receive Christ into their life, when they first become born again, or when they first get saved, however you want to say it, oftentimes when it's a genuine conversion, when they've really had an encounter with God, you'll see that they become very zealous or very excited to serve God. I mean, they're going to church, they're committed, they're serving, and it seems like, man, they're just excited or hungry for more of God. And isn't it a shame that oftentimes there are those that sit back and fold their arms and they look at those that are so excited and they say, just give it time. Just give it time and it will wear off. Just give it time and you'll phase out or fizzle out. And the reality is, is that maybe we've fizzled out. Maybe we've lost our hunger Maybe we've lost our zeal, and because we're basing it based upon our own personal life, we're looking to somebody else and expecting them to fizzle out as well. But how many of you know that it doesn't have to fizzle out? How many of you know that it doesn't have to just give it enough time and they'll die out? No, listen, the more that you walk with Jesus, how many of you know that each day can be more exciting than the next? Each day can be more enjoyable. Each day there can be a greater awareness of knowing Him and walking with Him and experiencing Him to where each day you look forward to it because, man, yesterday was amazing with God. I can't wait until today. And that's really the genuine heart of God. But now here's the question. I said in regards to that verse in Romans to listen because I had a question for you. In regards to them becoming born again or being saved or receiving Christ into their life, what gave them the ability to do so? Does anybody know? Just shout it out if you, if you know the answer. 
Well, good, then I'm going to teach you then. Thank you so much for your participation. Those of you online, I heard you shouting, thank you so much for your participation. All right. In Romans chapter 10, the very next verse, in verse 14 and 15. All right, let me just come to that. It says in verse 13, for whoever calls has a worshipful desire or uh, uh, understanding that they have a need. They call on the Lord and they are saved. But then it says in verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So how was it that they received salvation or became born again or received the gift of Jesus in their life? They had to hear something. In other words, they had to hear about the gospel. They had to hear about the love of God. Or in other words, words made them hungry or caused them to be aware of the fact that there was a lack or there was a need in their life. Right? And upon hearing words or the gospel or the word of God, they became aware of, I need Jesus. How was it that you received Christ into your life? Somebody had to tell you about Jesus. Amen. I was just watching uh, Ray Comfort. I don't know if anybody of you know who he is, but he's, he's a guy from Australia. But man, he is such the evangelist. I mean, he, just, he, he leads people to Jesus all the time. And I was watching a video of his, and he was interviewing this young kid just out on the beach on the boardwalk. And he says to him, he says, hey, listen, he said, I just got a question for you. He says, sure. He says, where are you going to go after you die? He says, well, I imagine that I'm going to go to heaven. He says, well, how do you know you're going to get there? He says, well, I've done good things, and I've been a good person, and so on and so forth. And based upon my, my, my desire to do good things, he says, he says, you know, now we're all imperfect. He says, but, you know, based on just doing my best, he says, I know that I'll go to heaven. And he says, well, now let me ask you a question. He says, have you ever lied? He says, yeah, I've lied. He says, what does that make you? He said, a liar. He said, have you ever stolen anything before? He says, yes. He said, he says well, what, is, what do you call a person that steals something? He says, a thief. He said, have you ever looked at a woman and lusted after her in your heart? And he says, well, yeah. And he says, well, Jesus said that uh, if you look at a woman and lust after her, that you've actually committed adultery. So he said, by your own admission, he said, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous at heart person. And the Ten Commandments says that if you break these, he says, you're not going to heaven. And then he starts to reason it out. And he starts to say, he says, well, he says, I know that God is a loving God. And he says, and I'm trying my best. And so he's trying to circle around the answer with all these philosophical responses and these intelligent kind of arguments, if you will. But Ray Comfort kept coming back around to asking the question. He said, well, if you was to stand before a judge... And you committed a crime, and it was to send you to prison for 10 years, and the judge said, guilty. He said, where would you go? He said, I'd go to prison. He said, well, what if there was somebody that came into the courtroom just before the judge gave you your verdict and says, I'll take all the guilt and all the punishment for him if you'll let him go free. And in that moment, that young 20-something-year-old 
guy that tried to be so clever with his answers. All of a sudden, his chin started quivering. And he asked him a couple more questions, and all the more he asked the guy the questions, his chin starts to quiver all the more, and tears start to run down his eyes. And he says, I think you're in a position where you're ready to receive Jesus. He says, are you ready to receive Jesus right now? Just a few minutes ago, he thought he could get to heaven on his own accord. But based upon hearing words, there was a hunger on the inside that caused that young man to recognize that he was going to hell for the punishment of his sin without Jesus. But upon receiving Jesus, he could be free. And he prayed that prayer. And my point is this, is that the countenance on that young man changed upon hearing words. And the words was the word of God, the gospel of God's love for him. And it began to change his countenance and it ultimately changed his life. What happened? Upon hearing words, there was a hunger. There was an awareness of a need that he had in his life. And see, God wants us to be aware that there is a need in our life for Him. And it's not just only salvation. In fact, for that matter, did you know that in the word salvation alone, it is not just eternal life, it is preservation. So in other words, God will preserve your life. Come on, as you get older in your life, as you start getting up 60, 70, well, I'm 50, I'm starting to think that way now. 50, 60, 70, 80. How many, as you, you start getting older, you start thinking about longevity of life, right? Well, I could use a few more decades, right? Well, how many of you know that walking with Jesus can prolong your life? Or deliverance. The word salvation means deliverance. Oh, praise God, just, just having Jesus in your life. There are those that struggle with addictions, struggle with bondages in their life, struggle with things that they just cannot get free from, but coming into a relationship with Jesus, finding salvation is not just eternal life. He says, in that moment, there is a deliverance that will set you free if you know it's available to you. Oh, praise God, that means I don't have to be a slave to this addiction any longer? No! Because Jesus made the answer available for freedom when you said yes to Him. But not only that, it's provision. Oh, come on. So many have lived lives where they have struggled. They've, been, they've, they've grown up in households that have lived on welfare. And again, I'm not being condemning. I'm just simply saying they've repeated the cycle and they don't see any way out. They don't know how they're going to live any better. It's just the same old, same old. But we, when you find Jesus, Jesus can elevate you and take you up to a higher place of living because He is the God that will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Amen. See, just upon hearing those things, man, there's a hunger that starts, you mean that's available to me? Absolutely. But not only that, the Bible says in salvation, there is wholeness and healing. Well, yeah, but I heard about somebody dying that, that was believing that way. Well, listen, we don't know the, the whole story. But regardless of whether somebody had an adverse effect, it doesn't change who God is. He can't lie. 
And so in that, the Bible says, in salvation is wholeness and healing. You mean I can be free from cancer? Absolutely. You mean I can be free from depression? Absolutely. You mean I can be free from this or that? Absolutely. Why? Because when you ask Jesus into your heart, salvation became available. And I could go on with multiple different things concerning the promises of God. But here's what ends up happening. Is that most of the time, when we have a need from God, what we end up doing is we go to God saying, God, I have a need, as though He is a, is a slot machine where we're pulling the handle and saying, God, hopefully you'll grant me this wish when I pray. But how many of you know that the protection, the provision, the deliverance, the health, the healing, it's all a byproduct of knowing Him. It's not something that He gives to you on a whim here and there. It's a byproduct of knowing Him. If you'll know Him, it all comes with Him. And the more that you know Him, the more you find that it's available to you. Amen? How many of you know that God wants to be more than just the wish granter? No, He wants you to know that, man, there's more, the, the blessings of God are available to you. And it's just a byproduct of being hungry for Him. How many of you know that when you have Jesus in your life, life is just better? Does that mean we don't have struggles? No, we, we have struggles. And let me, let me put it this way. There was, a, there was a, well, it's still this way. I was going to say there was a time, boy, I almost got myself in trouble. I guess me acknowledging I got myself in trouble anyways. But nevertheless, you know, when it comes to my relationship with my, my wife and my kids, I can have a bad day, and when I come and am in the presence of my wife and my kids, life is just better. I mean, I could have had the worst day. And, and I said what I, I was going to say. It used to be, you know, back when you were dating. But no, it's still that way. It's still that way. It's still that way, honey. <laughs> I just, just want you, I want to clear that up. I faux pawed in the way I said, I still mean it. Praise God. Are you getting what I'm saying? I can have the worst day. I can have all these things fall apart throughout my day and think, dear God, what a miserable day, but I get in the presence of my wife and my kids, and life gets better. And that's the same way with God, but to the umph degree. You can have the most miserable day, but if you'll get in God's presence, it all gets better. So in other words, I'm not seeking God for what He can do for me. When I'm just with Him, it just comes with Him, and therefore it's all better because I'm hanging out and fellowshipping and spending time with Him. And the more that I spend time with Him, the more desire or hunger I have to be around Him. Because of all of His goodness and everything that He brings, all those things, it's a byproduct of knowing Him. Now let me give you another example. I heard this just the other day and I thought it was a good example. But there was this woman that she was saying, she was just praying, she was driving down the road and talking to the Lord. And she said as she was driving down the road, she said, the Lord said to her, she said, Sue got a refrigerator. And she's like, uh, Sue got a refrigerator? And she started to try to figure out, what does that mean? 
Sue got a refrigerator. She's like, well, what, 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 what's God trying to tell me? And so she's like, what's the, the, what's the deep meaning of this? Sue got a refrigerator. What am I supposed to do with that, God? Am I supposed to call Sue or something? And God said to her, he says, I don't want you to do anything with it. He said, friends, just talk. And I was just telling you, Sue got a refrigerator. Now, we laugh at that as though that is just so unbelievable or unimaginable. But how many of you know that God wants to talk with you and fellowship with you and just interact with you as though he's your friend? And why would he not just have a conversation with you just because? Rather than saying, well, there's got to be some deep meaning. Thus saith the Lord, Sue got a refrigerator, right? Are you getting the point? God is wanting to have fellowship with you so that you know him. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed. Did you hear that? It didn't say that seek the blessings and then you'll get hungry and then you'll get filled. He says, if you'll get hungry, you'll get filled with whatever you hunger for. But when you get hungry, the blessings just come. The blessings are automatic when you just get hungry for righteousness. And righteousness does not mean, well, I'm getting all holy and dignified and making sure that I'm righteous before God. No, it means that you want to live righteously or live good with God. All is right when I'm hanging out with Him. And the more that I hang out with Him, I get more hungry for Him, and He begins to fill me with more, and here's the blessings. I'm like, God, I didn't ask for that. And He says, no, I just did it because we're hanging out together. I told you I got sewer refrigerator last week. I just thought I'd give you a refrigerator this week. <laughs> Whatever, you know? The blessings come as a result of spending time with God. But now listen to this. We are instructed to be full but also to be hungry. Isn't that interesting? He says to be filled or be full with the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that he says to be full, but then he also encourages us to be hungry. And then upon being hungry, he says he would be filled. But once again, have you ever noticed that the more you talk about food, the more hungry that you get? Huh. In fact, I'm just going to tell off on myself the other day, uh, or just this couple, past couple weeks, uh, my wife, she says, what do you want to do for dinner? Do you want to cook hamburgers tonight? And I said, no, I'm not really in the mood for hamburgers. I'm in the mood for Chinese food. She goes, what is it with you and Chinese food? I said, I don't know. It's just my comfort food. It's, good. it's a go-to. I don't know what it is. And so we all went and got something, and we had like five containers of Chinese food, and everybody just ate until they were happy. And so that was probably about 5, 36 o'clock. Now, it's still on the counter, Nine o'clock, it's still sitting out. My wife's getting away, and I'm like, hey, wait, before you put it away, I'm going to get me some more Chinese food. Now, was I literally hungry? No, I was actually still stuffed. But the more I thought about that Chinese food and how good it was, I became hungry for some more Chinese food. But I wasn't hungry. And I ate it. And I had to take several tums before I went to bed. <laughs> My point is this, is that you can be hungry and be filled, but you can still be hungry for more because God is unexhausted in what he wants to do to reveal himself to you. Amen. 
God wants to show and reveal Himself to you. But once again, when it comes to being hungry naturally, you, you become hungry naturally from not eating. Right? You haven't eaten, so therefore you're hungry. When it comes to being hungry spiritually, it comes from feeding. I'll say that again. When you're hungry, naturally, it comes from not eating. But when you're hungry spiritually, it comes from feeding. Or feeding on the right things. Or hearing the right words. Or being around the right people. Or being exposed to the right things. And therefore, I begin to be hungry spiritual saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want to experience more of you. God, I know that there's more. Come on, somebody say there's more. God wants us to be hungry for Him. And the more that you find yourself being hungry spiritually, it is a sign that you are beginning to mature and develop. How many of you know that God wants you to experience more? In fact, that's one of the things that we've been talking about and hearing just in regards to the people of prayer that have been coming on Wednesday nights. Many of them have been saying, man, I am being woke up in the middle of the night, like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like I'm wide awake. And it seems like more and more and more I'm hearing that, that people are waking up, God's arresting their spirit, and they're saying, man, I just want to go spend time with God. I just want to spend time in His presence. Why? Because there's a hunger on the inside to experience more of Him. Now, when you're hungry, you're recognizing that you have a need. But now, did you recall that when it says, blessed, you're blessed when you hunger for God. But now there's a flip side to that is when you're blessed, it's a challenge to be hungry. When all your needs are met, when life is grand, when nothing's wrong, it's real easy to start to put God on the back shelf. Hello? Isn't it interesting that it seems like it's when we really get in God's presence or seek God's face is when everything is falling apart and all hell's breaking loose. And it's like, God, I need some help. Right? But when we're blessed, when everything is good, I got it, God. There's a friend of mine. I went to high school, graduated with him. He just got a hold of me just a, a couple of weeks ago and he was sharing some things about he and his wife. And he started serving God a few years back, and every now and then he and I would check in. Now, this would be applicable to us. It would be applicable to you. Many of us are saying, God, I want my spouse to be hungry for God. I want my spouse, my husband, my wife to be hungry for God. And so this friend of mine, he's been talking with me, and obviously this whole COVID thing has not helped anything out in the matter, but they were not serving God when they first got together. And then they got married and he started serving God. I don't know if, they, I think it was a coworker or something that actually invited him to church. And he said to me, he said, you know, I've so desired for my wife to know God and to experience more. And I've wanted her to desire more. He said, but man, we're really struggling. And he said, with the whole COVID thing and church being shut down, he said, man, it's just been really tough. He says, you know, we've, we've not been in church for a long time. 
And he said, but I'm finding that she's just becoming more resistant to it. But here's something that I've observed over his life. He's had a desire to walk with God, and he's grown in his relationship with God. He's, he's matured, and he's wanted her to come along with him. But one of the things that happens is that you realize that they came from a lifestyle before Jesus, and now he's trying to walk with Jesus, but she's not really wanting to go on the journey with him, or at least not to the, the, the degree that he wants to. And so what he ends up doing is he, he goes back and he plays in her world. He lives the life of the before Christ with her. And as a result, his actions of living out of both sides, he's got a hunger to follow God, and he has grown tremendously. He loves God, but there's a pull on the flesh to come live back here in this realm where she's at. But his actions have actually held her bondage or held her captive in this place over here. All the while he's wanting her to leave this place and come over here. He's wanting her to have a spiritual hunger to come over here with him. But his actions to come over here hold her as a slave in this arena of her life because... She sees him and his commitment over here, not as a commitment to walk with God, but as a commitment to the church. And therefore, she looks at him and says, well, why do you always got to go to church? Why do you got to serve? You always got to do this and got to do that. And so she doesn't see his heart is really a heart towards God. She sees his commitment is towards the church. And therefore, she's like, well, I don't want none of that. But if he would say, baby, I love you, I'm hungry for God, I love God, and I can no longer live there, his actions would set her free, loose her from the hold that is there, holding her anchored into the old lifestyle, and give her the freedom to step over, because it wouldn't be a commitment to the church, but it's a commitment to God. And I'm hungry for God to know Him. Does that help somebody in here? Once again, we're saying, God, we're hungry for the things of God. We're hungry for more. We're hungry to see our families know God. I want my children to know, to know God. Our actions will help set people free. That was just for free, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. How many of you know that God is a too much God? I say, God is a too much God. And as I say, when God blesses us, when He increases us, it's hard to stay hungry. But how many of you know that it's not about the stuff, it's about the relationship? It's not about having... Well, let me say it this way. The more that you have, the less you have to trust. I said, the more that you have, the less trust you have in God. Because it's not in the amount, it's about your relationship with Him. That's what He's looking for. That's what He's desiring. He's wanting to have a relationship with Him. Now you might say, well, I just want to pinpoint it. Where am I at with God? A sure sign that you're not spending enough time with God 
is that you're satisfied with the amount of time you're spending with God. Are you hungry this morning? If you're satisfied with how much time you're spending with God, you're not hungry. Amen? Now, I know that steps on toes, but listen, I've, I, it's stepping on mine. How do you know if I'm satisfied? Or how do I know that I'm not spending enough time with God? Is because I'm satisfied with the amount of time that I'm spending with God. Amen. You doing all right? Praise the Lord. I'm looking at the time and just seeing how much further we want to go today. We may pick some things back up next week. I'll finish with this just to wrap it up. You realize that next week is Memorial Weekend. And so, I pray that you are tormented with the fleas of a thousand camels if you're not here next week. But <laughs> Just playing. No, have fun if you're going out of town. Amen. <laughs> but we will finish up a little bit of this and continue. But here's one of the things that we end up doing. We try to prioritize some things with God. You've heard it said before, you know, well, I put God first, and then I put my family, and then I put my ministry. And you know, that all sounds good. But you know what? I heard it said this way, and it really just kind of, it just, it really just kind of hit home with me. The individual said, he said, there, there is no God first something else second or something else third. He said, God's first. And there is no second. He said, God's first. There is no second. And you say, well, what about your family? Now listen. God's first. And I get to worship Him. And I get to know Him. And when it comes to my relationship with my wife, I get to worship God with her. My love for her is my worship toward God. My family and my kids, it's, it's not an incremental list. No, I get to do life with them. I get to worship Jesus with them. I get to love them with God. You see, it's all one and the same. I said it's all one and the same. You can't separate one or the other. Amen? Let's stand. There's so much more that I'd love to share. We'll get to it next week. But when you start to hang around the presence of God, when you start to hang around the people of God, there is a hunger that stirs up on the inside. There's a song that somebody just sent me the other day. And the song said, I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. I've seen depression and mental health restored. I've seen the prodigal return. And in that song, man, I just began to weep because it's like, God, you're that good. God, you're that good. And then when we were coming into the, the church this morning, we were listening to a song, and it says, 
I've been talking to Jesus. And because my mom talked to Jesus, I'm talking to Jesus. And man, it was all I could do just not ball. Because it's just all about hanging around the people of God. You get around people that love Jesus, you'll start loving Jesus. If you hang around people that love the things of the world, you'll start loving the world. If you like hanging around people that like football, you'll like football. And there's nothing wrong with football, you, get, you understand. But if you hang around people that love Jesus, that look for Him to do amazing things, to be used by God, you will begin to be hungry for God when you begin to get around people that says, I've seen God do miracles. I've seen God heal this one. I've seen God raise this person from the dead. I've seen God do amazing things. You'll begin to get hungry for the things of God and saying, God, I want to see it for myself. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to see it and experience it because you're that good. Amen. So you're in the right place at the right time. If you continue to come back, I'm telling you, you're going to get hungry for God. Amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning. And if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. If you breathe your last. I want to make sure that if you're here today. As you leave this place, as you've heard me talk about God, if there's been a stirring on the inside, if there's been a hunger to say, I want to know Jesus, and you might say, I don't know if I do. I think I will. Listen, thinking won't get you to heaven. You might say, well, I hope I'm ready. Hoping won't get you there. The Bible says that you must believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And upon confession of salvation, you shall receive the eternal gift. And so if you're here this morning and you're not certain, I want to make sure that you know Jesus. If you're watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. But if you're here this morning and you don't know where eternity is for you, I want you to pray a prayer with me. And this is my guarantee to you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just simply, at the count of three, want you to lift your hand so that I can see who you are and then I'm going to pray with you. On the count of three, if that's you, and you say, I want to make sure that today my eternity is sealed, that I've received Jesus, not just hoping or wishing, but a no-so experience, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. You want to receive Jesus. All right. Then I'm trusting that everybody in this place knows where you're going. But if just by chance you don't know as you leave this place and you say, I wish I would have prayed. It's as simple as this. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior and be my Lord. Amen. And if you pray that prayer after you leave this place, let us know. Because we'll get some information and some products to you to help you grow in your relationship with God. Amen. Let me pray over you and I'll dismiss you. Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray over every single individual that's in this place. I thank you that there is such a divine hunger that you're placing on the inside of each and every one of us to experience and to know you more intimately and personally. God, I thank you that you're stirring up in this hour a people that is radical to know who you are and run the race that's set before us. And we thank you that it starts today and tomorrow we'll begin to pick up the pace once again. We thank you for an amazing week. Bless them as they leave in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can give as you depart. There's an usher waiting for you.
Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.